0: I often ask myself, what do we as Christians have that is so good that it's a shame that the world has to live without it? The answer, I believe, is the good news about Jesus, and that is worth sharing. This is Adam Hill, Minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I pray that today's message shares that good news and that you are richly blessed by it. Yeah, you know, some of y'all started to clap. It's totally fine to clap for our worship team this morning. I'm usually like up there on the stage with them, so it was just really cool to sit and watch. Uh, man, we have some really gifted students in this youth ministry who are not just not just gifted, but who also are willing to use their gifts. And uh, it's unbelievable to be able to minister and pastor them, and minister with them, and serve alongside them. So last week we started the new series, "Turning the World Upside Down," and we began this study in Acts about the church and its beginnings. And as Adam said, if we read the text carefully, and maybe just read it with some fresh and new eyes, we'll find out that this is ground zero for the Jesus revolution. We have the beginning, and the Holy Spirit is totally active and working in the world. And the disciples were invited into this whole new way of life and faithful expression of who Jesus is. The location of the church, it's no longer situated in Jerusalem. The location of the church is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ, that church is on the move. And as we learned last week, the church, as described in Acts, is both a community of revelation and a community of mission. Now, I love the title, as I already said. Of course, when I read upside down, I'm going to be honest, I thought, hmm, there are some strange things that happen in this book, one could even say stranger things, I know there's your culturally relevant reference this morning, but some things have happened that, that, that are, are maybe difficult to understand, they are strange, at least up to this point in the biblical narrative. There's some odd things happening. We had—well, in chapter 2, we had tongues of fire. We had this multi-ethnic, diverse group of people who spoke all these different languages, just happened to gather in front of Peter as he preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to them. And what happened? They heard it in their own languages. I mean, how bizarre and amazing it would have been to stand there and all these people from these different backgrounds receiving the good news simultaneously. It certainly wasn't normal. It was, it was strange, but it was beautiful, and it was the start of something that was brand new. And in the story of Acts, it seems like sometimes the disciples were just trying to keep up with what the Spirit was doing, because the Spirit was going to work, and the disciples had to just kind of keep up. And so today we're going to continue our study in the books of Acts as we talk about the story that happens right after Pentecost— And so as is our tradition, I want to invite you to stand, if you are able, for the reading of the Word of God. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame for birth was, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them, For money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Christ Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And so taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter said this, or saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk, the God of Abraham And Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to not let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released by you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him and now all can see. So now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to everything. That he tells you, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets. And now the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your message this morning, that we will hear, God, the community of restoration that we are called to. God, that we would see what we need to do to join this community, God, and we would act upon that. God, that you would place on our hearts the people, the community, the individual that you've called us to be. God, that we would see your spirit at at working in this world, and we would join it. God, and even as we try to keep up with that spirit, give us the eyes to see where the spirits are working, and give us the courage and the boldness to jump in. God, thank you for this morning, I pray, all these things. And your church said, amen. amen. Please be seated. Okay, so backtrack. Jesus, when he called his 12, he also had this inner circle of three right? We had Peter, we had James, and we had John. And they witnessed certain events, and they certainly witnessed Jesus in maybe different ways than the other nine did. And Jesus even gave them exceptional nicknames, right? Peter, the rock, and James and John, the, th- the sons of thunder. I mean, just, just great, great names. And their training and their experience with Jesus for several years now has prepared them to be at the forefront of this movement. And one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, and that time of prayer, it was three in the afternoon, and it's no surprise where Peter and John are going. But what's really interesting is what they're heading to do, or, or maybe more precisely, it's what they're heading not to do. Because traditionally, a Jew would, would go to the temple at like 3 p.m. and at sunset to offer sacrifices. But we don't see them doing that. We don't see them going to offer temple sacrifices. Why? Peter and John were going to pray. They already knew that the sacrifice thing had been taken care of. They didn't need to go do that. And so they're going to a time where other Jews might be showing up to offer this sacrifice. And they got this news that says, this sacrifice, you don't need to keep doing this. Jesus already made this sacrifice. We're going to come and be with you and pray with you. But daily sacrifice in the terms that that they had known had been done away with because of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the same news that they had just preached at Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved that day, given their life to Christ, given their life to this new news. And so now a man who was lame from birth, he was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And he saw Peter and John about to enter and he said to them, or he asked them for money, And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So this man, he's placed at probably the most popular entrance into the temple, which, by the way, is a great strategy if you want money, right? The more people that go by you, the more money you're probably going to get. If you're going to go to some random gate in the back of the temple, probably not as popular, probably not going to make as money. So great strategy by this man, or at least those who brought him and laid him there to ask for money. And it's also our best guess that this gate called Beautiful is probably the place where the Gentiles would go in. So not going to get harassed, probably by as many Jews and certainly not Jewish leaders. I mean, this man's hardly looking for a Jewish rabbi to come down and solve all his problems, to solve all his hurt, to solve all his pain. He's simply there to pan for money. He's looking for people to literally throw him some change. He's looking for quality over quantity. And I'm sure, being the beggar that he is, he's used to being treated like a beggar. But guess what? He could put up with it as long as he's probably getting Some change. But notice, what is he doing? He's not sitting passively on the ground with a cup in front of him. Change here, please. He's literally asking them for money. He has the boldness as people come by to say, please give me money. We did this event uh, in, in California where we'd go to this park in Santa Monica, and we called it Lunches for Jesus. And our whole goal was to sit and eat and talk to homeless people because you have just this, this, uh, this conflict of, of homeless people and then this wealth that are going on daily side by side. And so we would go there. And I said uh, to our students and, and adults who would go and, and, and talk to these people and, and, and meet their needs, and say they have really three basic needs that we want to talk about. One, they have these physical needs. Two, they have these relational needs. And three, they have their spiritual needs. And if we can meet the physical needs with a lunch, and if we can meet the, 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 the relational needs with just like having a conversation with them, maybe, just maybe there's a chance that we might be able to meet their spiritual needs. I remember one lady I sat down with, uh, she, she was just sitting cross-legged and she had all this art in front of her. And so I sat down with her and started talking to her about her art. And I offered her this lunch that, I, that, we, had, that we had made. And so she starts eating this lunch. And this, rela- this like, conversation is going really cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying talking to her. And so finally I'm like, okay, time to, time to bring up the gospel. Right? So I'm going to offer her Jesus. And so then we got in this cat-and-mouse game where every time I offered her Jesus, she offered me a painting to buy. And so then we'd go backwards and jump, like, talk about how you're doing. I'd be like, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. She's like, let me tell you about my painting. And we did this for like 30 minutes. It was it was hilarious. Some of the students who were sitting there with me were just cracking up every time I offered Jesus. She offered me this, this painting. But she, at least at that time, was not interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, it, just through that one event, I spoke to countless homeless people over the years. And I'll tell you that few of them were as bold as this man who's sitting there, who's shaking the cup and saying, give me some money. And so Peter said— Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went in the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Right? So remember, based on his location, we can suggest that the man wanted quality over quantity or quantity over quality. He had no idea of the actual quality that existed. He just wanted people to come by who had a lot of people And so Peter evokes the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it wasn't Peter that brought about the restoration of this man. It is by Jesus and only by Jesus that the good news happens, that the restoration happens. It's the good news of Jesus that precedes restoration. Psalm 23. If you know it, I'm going to invite you to say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lays me down beside quiet waters. He leads me, or he lays me down to the green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is the restorer. Whether in times of conflict, times of peace, times of fear, times where we found ourselves surrounded, incapable of getting out, times where we feel like evil is just trying to defeat us, that we're getting attacked on every side, God is the restorer, Jesus is the restorer, the Holy Spirit is the restorer. Restoration is the gospel, folks. That is the good news about Jesus. And what did this man do? Exactly what probably any of us would do. He starts running and jumping, right? And he's kind of acting like a lunatic, but he doesn't care. He's praising God. And where is he? In the middle of the temple courts, not exactly the best place for a gymnastic routine. (laughs) Kind of a somber place, kind of a place we might say, well, it's really holy. We got to be reverent. And he's, what's he doing? Of course he's doing what he should do. He doesn't care what anyone thinks, and neither should we. He just experienced true healing, true restoration. And so naturally, what's he going to do? Praise God. He's not going to lock that up in his pocket and put it back later and say, one day I'll get to that praising God thing for what he did. He's naturally praising God, who is the restorer. And what do the people do? They don't shrink back, right? It says that they're, that they're standing there and they're filled with wonder and amazement as they witness this man who's restored and full on praising God with everything he has. And when I read this story, I think, of, I think of my dog, Kona. Every once in a while, she just goes nuts. Runs around the house and does all these spins and circles. Toys go flying. Chairs get bumped. Kids start screaming. She goes running up and down the stairs. And I have to go over to her and be like, relax. You've gone nuts. You're a crazy dog right now. And she's like, I just want to have fun. I'm like, I know, but now's not the time to knock over everything in our house. And so it finally looks like this man's doing his gymnastic routine, That's not in the Bible, obviously, but he's jumping and praising, and Peter and John go over to him and kind of go, relax, it's time for me to tell the sermon to everybody. And it says he just kind of grabs onto them and hangs onto them. And so while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One the Holy and Righteous One, and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Right, Peter and John, they go for a walk to the temple to pray. And now they find themselves as a vessel for the Spirit of God, witnesses to this amazing miracle, now preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in the temple in Jerusalem. Not exactly the safest place for them to go. Not exactly where they're supposed to be. So what happens if we are open to the Spirit like that way? What if we are open to the Spirit, to Spirit of God in all that we do and everywhere that we go, you never know what might happen or how God might just work through us. But here's the thing. We have to want to be restored. And what does that mean? That we have to confront our own behaviors and actions that have disowned Jesus. And you say, well, I, I did that when I gave my life to Christ, it's kind of an ongoing thing, right? We live in this world and we certainly know that things come up in our life and we stray and we're like, God, I repent. I thank you for the forgiveness that you've already given me, but I repent that in this effort to live a new life, I'm not just going to say sorry I'm saying it in such a way that, God, I'm going to do my best to never do it again. And so Peter boldly tells his fellow Israelites, he tells them that. And he correctly identifies by whose power the miracle occurred. He correctly identifies their sin and their participation in the crucifixion of Jesus. He correctly identifies God's restorative nature of raising Jesus from the dead. And finally, he correctly identifies Jesus' restorative nature to heal and rescue them. And to guess what? To rescue us. The good news of Jesus precedes restoration in all of its forms. Our decision Is to receive it or not. What are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? I want to invite our Adam and our worship band up. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah must suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Isn't that amazing that Peter would look at them, that Peter would proclaim their guilt and their leaders' guilt in crucifying Jesus. And what does he do? He just totally chucks grace and mercy right at them. Isn't that what God and Jesus, the Spirit, does to us? That even though we mess up and we screw up and we pull away from God and we disown Jesus, we just have mercy and grace chucked right at us. God takes the first step towards them. Towards us, It's now on them, it's on us to take the step toward God by repenting and turning to him. So, you want to know how the world gets turned upside down? It begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. With the presentation of the mission of God and this invitation to join— It begins with the restoration brought on by Jesus, and it continues with people choosing to turn to God. It continues with the invitation fully and freely given to us to turn from who we once were to who God has made us to be. That invitation is always out there. Those those hands are always open, ready for you to receive it. Will you receive it? That's how this community becomes a community of restoration. That's how this community, the community of God that is on the move, turns the world upside down. You're invited. How will you respond? I don't invite the praise the prayer team to come up too. And if you need to come forward and respond by repenting of the life that you have lived away from God, you're invited to do so. Or if you want to come up and you want to take that step towards God, that God has placed it on your heart to give your life to him, we want to invite you to do so because in the name of Jesus, through the good news, you receive, I receive, the ultimate restoration. We invite you to come forward while we sing this song. Thank you for listening to the Rochester Church of Christ sermon podcast. Our hope is that it was a blessing to you. If you would like someone to study with or pray with, do not hesitate to reach out to us through our website, rochestercoc.org. Remember you are loved and you are chosen.